Hey everyone, this is Pam Majumdar. Welcome to episode 21 of Better Late, the podcast about adult gymnastics. Someone recently asked me why I don't share much of my personal story on this podcast other than the trailer. I don't really know what the answer is or why, but I'm about to fix that. I took a lot of recreational gymnastics as a kid and as a teenager, but I was never able to find the gym trifecta where training can lead to progress. One that valued effort over youth, was affordable, and was geographically accessible. For 15 years, I thought about gymnastics almost every single day. I finally trained and competed for three years in my mid-20s, but I trained with preteens and my training wasn't built for someone like me, an athlete way past puberty with a full-time job. As I learned years later, there's a large community of adults who still, or for the first time, want to do gymnastics. There's a lot that needs to be fixed with the gymnastics culture, and I believe shattering the narrative of the tiny young prodigy and making training available for anyone outside that narrative is one way to start. Something I've realized is that my own gymnastics journey isn't done. As I produce this podcast, I'm figuring out what's next along the way. It's really tough for adult gymnasts to find a way to train. The pandemic has only exacerbated that. Today's guest, Carrie Nylet, lives in what she calls a gymnastics desert, and she's found a way to train and keep improving. She also believes that if more adult gymnasts were coaches, it would change the sport, and I can't help but agree with her. I hope you enjoy this episode. Carrie, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks. I'm happy to talk to you. So what is your gymnastics journey? Did you do it when you were younger? And then how did you get started doing it as an adult? So I did do gymnastics when I was younger. I started when I was eight, I think. Um, and I just kind of took to it right away. I loved it. You know, like the little kids always kind of moms throw them in dance class. So I did a little bit of dance. And then um, I think my mom was looking for something new and she tried a gymnastics class and I just loved it right off the bat. And so I started competing about nine. Back then it was the classes. Um, so I started class four and I started a small uh, kind of not recreational, but just a small less intense program um, in Tennessee where I grew up. And I stayed there the my whole gymnastics youth career, I guess you'd say. So um, I just uh, loved my coaches. I loved the small, less intense kind of programming of it. I never went more than three days a week. I made it to level seven. It took me a while to get to level seven at that rate, but that was great for me. And I think it was great for a lot of kids. And and so I want to, you know, emphasize that I just really enjoyed my childhood in gymnastics because it was just, it was so fun and it was never intense. It was never, you know, something that <laughs> made me cry or made me, you know, you hear about all these stories now, but I only had a great experience. Um, and I think part of that is just because I had this nice little program with great coaches who, you know, are still coaching today. And, and it's because there's that fits a need to have a program like that. That's just not intense. It leaves you room to do other activities and it's a bit of a slower pace, but it works. And, uh, it leaves me, you know, loving gymnastics still, you know, I never burned out because I never had a reason to, I never remember my coaches being angry or ugly at me. I just, you know, I always had a positive experience in gymnastics and it wasn't that I was like a superstar or anything. I was a talented little kid, but, um, but I struggled a lot at certain things, but 
it was just in that environment, it was always a great experience. Yeah, that's great. Um, so when you stopped doing, how old were you when you stopped? So let's see, I competed till about 15, 16, I think. And then the following year, I guess when I was a senior in high school, my coach, of course, you know, was just like, well, hey, you know, come on in and, you know, keep working out. You don't have to compete, but of course you can come, you know, maybe come one day a week and, and keep working out. I think I started helping teach the classes at that point when I was 16 or 17. I also became a judge at that point. You can actually test to be a judge at like 16. Oh, wow. Which a lot of people don't know about, I don't think. <laughs> but the lowest levels you can, I think you still can at that age. So I went ahead and tested to be a compulsory judge. And when I was a, so when I was a senior in high school, I went straight from competing one year to judging the next, which was really fun. And I liked it a lot. I'm not sure I was a very good judge being that young, but, but it was something I really liked. And I liked being able to say, Hey, I'm a judge. So. <laughs> and also so, refreshing to me because where I grew up and where I have talked about and struggled to find a place, it was all really competitive gyms. There weren't that many that I knew of. I think I later found out there were, but when I was, right. the internet had just barely be, been a, yeah. a thing when I, I think I had email in middle, middle school, but it was email like where you can only see the text on your computer. Right, <laughs> so, right. I couldn't search for any, any other options. And I didn't think that there were other options, but I love the fact that you say that there was not a expectation that you had to pursue it very intensely. And that when as yeah. in high school, you were just invited back to practice as you were able to, and then just kind of transitioned into being a judge. And like you said, which is, I think, contrary to what a lot of people who have come on this podcast said, you didn't burn out. Right. I never did. I just, I always enjoyed it. And, and, you know, I think my parents were real smart about it too. I think there were other gyms in town that you would go to and, okay, yeah, you're in for, if you're going to do level seven, you better be in for, you know, 20 hours a week. Um, and they were like, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> We've got other kids. We've got a life. We want you to do other activities and stay well-rounded and, and, you know, and our family life is not gymnastics. That's just your favorite activity. <laughs> so, you know, and I kind of, now that I have three kids, just like they did, I get that, you know, and I'm grateful that, you know, they kind of kept that perspective and um, they were not going to drive an hour each way daily for some extreme coaching experience. So they were loyal to my coaches and they liked that program and, and so did I. So it worked out. And, you know, like I said, I didn't get extremely high level, but that's okay. You know, I've, I've made it to optionals. And back then that was like, I think a lot of people had that goal because you really couldn't do optional routines until you got to level seven because there was no Excel or anything like that. And so the big goal was just make it to optionals. Um, and so it was kind of a struggler level seven, but I, I made it work. And <laughs> that's awesome. I never made it out of compulsories as an adult in my adult gymnastics experience. So my only experience of being judged was like, you miss a point if you, you could do it the element perfectly, but if your hand was supposed to be in one position versus the other, right. 
you'd lose like five tenths on that. <laughs> yeah. And it's so that's why Excel is so great. I think it's just like, it's so refreshing and it's so great to be able to offer gymnasts the experience any, you know, from little to adult, you know, to be able to offer them, you know, flexibility in their routines and, you know, just something that's more fun than that same old music that drives you insane and compulsory <laughs> meets hearing it again and again. I mean, I did start, you know, of course, compulsories and I did like class four for, I think, three years. And man, that music was <laughs> three straight years of that class four music. But that was the big goal was to just make it to optionals and just be able to say I'm optional and just to be able to enjoy, you know, making up my own routines, which my coach let me do. She let me choreograph my own routines. And, and that's what made it so fun, you know. When did you get back into gymnastics later as an adult? So after I got married in 2001, so I, I worked at a gym for a couple of years. I had a baby in 2004 <laughs> and another baby in 2006 and another baby in 2009. And, um, and man, during that period, like I did not even do any regular exercise. Like from the time I graduated college, you know, in college, we would go to the rec center and do the, you know, like aerobics classes and stuff or try to run around the track. But until, so like from 1998 to about <laughs> like 2009, I did not do like any regular exercise. I was completely out of shape. When I was pregnant with my last baby, I just remember thinking, oh, I'm so miserable. <laughs> I wish I could just, you know, move around like I used to. And, and once I had that baby, I was like, I'm really going to get in shape. And so I started going to the Y, you know, just doing very basic aerobics classes. I could barely make it through an aerobics class. Sometimes I'd cut out after 30 minutes because <laughs> I couldn't even breathe through a 30 minute aerobics class. Um, just to show you how out of shape I was. <laughs> But the fitness came back pretty quickly. And then in about 2012, I'd kind of heard about CrossFit. I was kind of interested in that because I'd heard it was similar to gymnastics. And around the same time, when my youngest was ready to go to preschool, the local gym where I was taking my girls offered me to teach a preschool class. And I was like, well, that would be really a fun way to get back into it. And I just really had the idea of I'd, I'd love to be able to do a kip again around that same time as well. So this is about 2012. My uh, my daughter had a gymnastics party for her birthday, and I was like, "Oh, let me go see if I can swing on that bar. I wonder if I can do a kip. I feel like I've pretty much got back into shape. Maybe I'm doing pretty good." So I went over to the bar and I tried to do a kip, and I couldn't even glide. I could not keep my feet up off the ground. Um, much less. <laughs> yeah. Like I couldn't even hold my feet up, much less get them all the way to the bar. But it kind of like made me mad enough to like, like, I want to be able to do that again. <laughs> like it, it used to be so fun. And I just remember that feeling of like swinging. And like, when you do a good kip, you sort of just float up there and end up on the bar with like nice straight arms. And I just wanted to remember what that felt like. So I started teaching that preschool class and that gave me access to that gym. So I'd come in a little early. I really punched up my exercise regimen. I did 
less aerobics, more CrossFit. Um, and finally, I kind of ditched the aerobics altogether and did more of the CrossFit because it is, it's so similar, lots of gymnastics movements, leg lifts, V-ups, handstands, you know, it, it's definitely a gymnast workout. And so from that time, when I first tried and like really made the effort, it took, I want to say around, I'm trying to think around 10 months before I made a kip. Um, so with that like concentrated effort, I finally like did like a really, you know, <laughs> struggling kip. But, you know, once I did that, it just made me want to do more. <laughs> and so that's how I kind of got back in. I did more of the CrossFit. And as I did more of the CrossFit, I realized the gymnastics was getting easier and easier. And by 2016, 2017, I realized like my gymnastics level was almost to what I could do when I had quit as a level seven at 15. So at that point, I had seen some things about adult gymnastics and it had just really never occurred to me that there were like competitions and that people like actually competed. Um, and so in 2017, my daughter was going to flip fest <laughs> And I drove her up there and I saw that camp and I was like, gosh, I've got to, I've got to go there. <laughs> and, uh, and so at that point, I'd also at the same time seen that AAU was doing a competition. They do their nationals. It's a big meet, um, mostly kids, but it's their huge meet of the year. And they have an adult section. There were about 20 adults. So to backtrack a little bit, I guess I had planned for that 2017. This was June. I was like, I'm going to swing by that meet <laughs> before dropping off my kids to flip fest. And so I signed up for it. And I was like, I think this might be the craziest thing I've ever done. <laughs> People are going to think I'm so strange. And so I was able to compete gold at that point. And that was just like, so fun. I didn't know what to expect at all. But it was in the middle of a really big, you know, huge meet, uh, four sets of equipment all going on at once. And, but there were two flights of adults. So about 20 of them. So mostly doing Excel levels, some like stark beginners doing bronze, um, a couple like being really impressive doing, um, you know, about a level nine. I think there's, there's one lady that does level nine at about 40 at that point. <laughs> and I was 40 years old at that point too. So with the AAU meet, it just, I thought it was going to be a bucket list thing. I was like, I'm going to do this. It's going to be crazy. People are going to think I'm nuts, but I ended up having the most fun <laughs> and it just made me want to do it again. That's so the I problem did. with gymnastics. You can't ever really have a bucket list. I think that's how I started going back. Cause I was like, uh, I just want to get my front limber and a really right. good back yeah. and then alone. And then I find myself in level three classes and trying to. <laughs> right. It was just, you know, I thought it was going to be just like a one-off. I'm just going to do this to be able to say I did something kind of crazy because I, I just turned 40 and let's do something weird for 40. But I, I ended up doing really well in the meet. <laughs> and, and then I guess we, after that meet, we pushed on to flip fest. I dropped my kid off there and then not, Long after that, I'd heard about NAIGC doing their Flip Fest retreat, which happens in August. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, I've got to do this. I just saw Flip Fest. It looks like such a cool gym. Um, and so I signed up for that. And that August, I went to Flip Fest. Um, and when I got there, I had not 
yet tumbled backwards. So I managed to do gold without any backwards tumbling because I was still, I didn't have, um, I didn't have anybody to spot me or help me. I had just done all this based on me playing around in the gym before I taught my preschool class. So you you did full routines without the back tumbling, but everything else without having been like coached. Right. And I think so about a month before that meet, I'd signed up for the meet. It was May and I had never been over the vault. (laughs) Oh, wow. And so I was like, I guess I better, you know, I've got to bite the bullet and go over this vault if I'm going to do it. The new um, of course, too, right? Right. So the new vault, because I have vaulted over the old style, you know, horse vault, which, you know, the Twinkie, as we sometimes call it. <laughs> um, I was terrible, like terrible at vault. It was so bad. I was terrified of it. You know, it was just so scary for me. But once as an adult, I got into a gym where we had, um, first of all, we had the new vault, but also when I was growing up, we didn't have like the big resi mats. We didn't have, you know, a lot of the, the training tools and equipment that we have now. And so, you know, I started with the resi, like a, you know, like a level three. So I was like, okay, if I can do a level three vault, and then I just kept piling the mats higher. And then finally I was like, all right, I'm going to get over this vault. And you just have to kind of tell yourself, okay, you're going over. (laughs) And I managed to get over. There was something scary about a handspring vault. So I did a half on, which you can do in gold. (laughs) And so about a month before I was able to do that. And so, yeah, so that's how I got ready for that meet. I did, um, like I said, I kind of strategized. You can do a front handspring round off for gold, and then you can do a side aerial. Side aerial is something that I can co- sort of, you know, rely on technique and a giant hurdle to um, to still do a pretty good one. So yeah, I was able to put together the gold routines. By the time I got to flip fest, I was like, all right, I've got pits here. My home gym did not have a pit, but they flip fest has so many, you know, pits, tumble tracks, everything like that. So as soon as we got there, I was like, I found a guy. I was like, could you please spot me on a back tuck? And he was like, okay, because <laughs> I never had the chance. There was never really anybody in the gym with me. I was all alone. So I found this guy at Flip Fest. He was like, sure. So he spotted me on a back tuck. And I was like, okay, that's not so bad. And he did one more. And I was like, well, thank you. You know, I haven't done that since like 1997. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, wow, okay, well, <laughs> congratulations. And so once I got through that little mental issue, I was like, well, I can do this. I'm certainly strong enough. And there's, there's a lot to be said for muscle memory. I remember what it feels like. And so as soon as I did that, I kind of automatically went over to the rod floor in the pit and managed to do a round off back tuck right then. So, you know, it's, there's a lot of muscle memory. There's a lot of getting strong. And I think the CrossFit really got me to the point where I could be strong enough to do it. And a lot of the stuff came out really quickly. And I think, you know, you see somebody like Chelsea Memel and she's made it back to her. I mean, it's not like I can compare to her, but, but she made it back to her previous level. And she says that, you know, even some stuff, she's even better than before because she's in such good shape. And if you take the time to get in shape first and do the hard part (laughs) and not as much of the fun part, then a higher percentage of the conditioning and the hard part, 
you can pretty much get back to your original level because I'm back with like basically level solid level six, kind of level seven here. And it just came back. The skills came back really quickly once I was strong enough. I can't do the flexibility stuff that I used to be able to do because my back doesn't bend anymore. And I think because I spent a lot of time not ever stretching, not ever working out. And I had back pain when I was maybe college and in my 20s. I think because, you know, I wasn't exercising. I wasn't doing anything. Now that I exercise and work out and spend a lot of time with like strength work, I don't have the back pain, you know? So I think that really helped with that. So even though I'm not as flexible, I'm a lot stronger. So it sounds like you were leading up to everything. You mentioned you were doing CrossFit pretty regularly. And then how often were you going to work like work out at the gym where you were teaching the class? So I usually, and I still kind of do this now, probably I try to make it to CrossFit three or four days a week, Oh wow! Um, which is, you know, an hour each time. And then I try to make it to gymnastics an hour or two each week. So, I mean, I'd love to do gymnastics more, but it's just not, you know, it's not feasible. <laughs> But the CrossFit kind of gives me all the the good basics and gives me strong enough. And I can even, you know, spend some time after we do our, the assigned workout, I can spend some time there. I can do my stretching there. I can do handstands there. I can do, you know, more types of gymnastics uh, conditioning maybe that, you know, that we wouldn't normally do, but I like being around people there. It's a motivating environment. So they never mind if I stick around and, um, and kind of do my weird gymnastics thing and, (laughs) and do my stretches. So you don't have right now, like a structured adult program that you go to? No, and I haven't really. So I kind of structure my own kind of workout. And sometimes I would go to the gym directly after CrossFit. What I discovered doing that is having that workout, like a hard workout before, sometimes I was able to just kind of carry that over. So I would go to CrossFit and then go directly to the gymnastics gym. And I'd still just feel like, all right, I'm, you know, I feel like I could go for two more hours because I had the energy. And so sometimes I would do that. And then sometimes I'll just do it on a different day, or sometimes I'll skip the CrossFit and go you know, for an hour at the gymnastics gym. But on the whole, I do more conditioning and CrossFit than I do actual gymnastics. Mm-hmm. And I think for an adult, that's, you know, that's what I found to be a good balance for me. I would love to do just like hours of gymnastics, but, <laughs> but I can't, <laughs> but I don't really have kind of anybody coaching me in gymnastics but I've kind of figured out the best way to optimize. So like sometimes if I'm working out in gymnastics, for instance, I'll go and if I'm the only one at the gym, which I usually am, I'll warm up instead of maybe running, I'll do dance throughs of a floor routine because I find that that gets me warmed up um, and it gets me kind of in that gymnastics mode. And Wait, at the same what time, you, uh, what floor routines are you doing your old floor routines from when you were young or? No, so I've done and throughout the years, um, I've done a little bit of choreography too. So I've got a few floor routines. So that first meet where I did a gold floor routine, I did that. And then more recently, I did in 2019, I went to NAIGC nationals. 
So I had a floor routine for that. And then I was getting one ready for, you know, this past year that really didn't pan out with anything. So I have a few (laughs) that I kind of go through. Yeah, that's awesome. I don't know that I, I'm sure there are, but there certainly aren't enough adult gymnasts who are also choreographers. So if anybody's listening and needs a routine, maybe they should reach out to you. Yeah, yeah. It's something I've always really enjoyed. I would just like, and when I was little, I wouldn't like be in my bedroom, like making up floor routines. And, you know, don't you ever like when you hear a song, like you think, oh, that'd make a great floor routine. <laughs> I, I think it was only just in the last few years that I stopped having that habit of like, oh, floor <laughs> music. But yeah, for the longest time, I totally did. Yeah. Like, just long enough to be like, you know, the opening. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I can kind of structure it that way. And I, I tend to work just, to, you know, maybe two, three skills in a workout. You know, it's not like, you know, when we coach our kids on team, you know, we have like a set schedule. Okay, 30 minutes for warm up, And then we're going to be at beam for 30 minutes. And then we're going to be at bars for 45 minutes. I can't do that as an adult. I've only got an hour to play around with usually. And so I typically just like focus on improving one skill and I think that really works. And if I could find a way to, you know, bring that more to a kid's workout, I think people would really find some benefit in that. Just sort of the ability to kind of play around with one thing and just, you know, concentrate your focus on just one thing. Like lately, I want to do round off back handsprings all the time. Mm-hmm. Back handsprings are a skill I've kind of lost back and forth because of my back doesn't bend very much. So I set up a little camera and I record myself to see what it looks like. (laughs) And so I just have the most fun, you know, just trying to do it a little bit better, a little bit better each time. Whereas, you know, sometimes when you're coaching kids and you're working with the team, you only have like a limited amount of time and they might get, you know, okay, four or five passes of this pass. And then we got to move on. But, you know, so I think a lot of kids, get stuck in that rut because they never are allowed the time to focus on like a singular skill that they need to focus on because they're just moved along to the next thing. All right, we're done with punch fronts. So let's, you know, sorry, you didn't make any today, but, (laughs) but it's time to move along. If we could do that, you know, with kids, the way we do it as adults, because that's kind of more, I think what adults do is, we think, gosh, I really want to get this one skill. So I'm going to just go take 30 minutes to work on it. How is that in terms of managing your expectations? Or are you one of those people that never gets frustrated if something is kind of going slowly? Because it sounds like for you, when you were young, yeah, you were paced really in a healthy way. You weren't rushed. Yeah. So, um, cause I've, I've struggled with that even as an adult gymnast, like, Oh, I only have an hour and a half and most of that's going to be warm up, and it can be frustrating. And it only end up like having those types of expectations never really helps because then you just, ha- then you're also stressed out during the short amount of time that you're in the gym. Yeah. And I just find that like, if, if something's not working that day, for instance, I'll move on, you know, and I don't know. I feel like, well, I'm 44 now. Um, I've, I kind of feel like I'm on no pace. You know what I mean? Like I've got all the time in the world. There's no deadline for anything. Yeah. <laughs> so whereas when, 
I mean, which is so silly. As a kid, you think there is some sort of deadline. And, you know, that's the problem with coaches, too. They think there's some sort of deadline and there's not, you know, maybe it's going to take a kid longer. Maybe they need to be in the same level for three years. But as long as they're enjoying it, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But I do, if I get frustrated with something, I'll usually just call it a day on that thing. I'm like, okay, I think I'm going to move on to something else, which is also something I think coaches need to allow their kids to do too. Like, cause sometimes you'll go in there and, you know, you see that a kid, maybe they normally do great punch fronts. And then you get in there and one day they have not made a single one. They keep landing on their butt. And sometimes you just have to say, look, let's just stop this today. It's obviously not your day for these. There's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) It's just you're having an off day. Maybe your ankle feels funny. Maybe you had a long day. Maybe you're really tired. But I get that it's harder to do that in a team coaching environment when you have so many kids to try to corral and keep an eye on. But I think kids will be less frustrated have a better time and just learn better. If you allow them the opportunity to say like, look, you're having an off day with that skill. Let's stop it and switch and just do something completely different. Have all the lockdowns during the pandemic affected your ability to teach and work out at the gym you were at? Yeah. So the gym that I was coaching at closed, um, Back in March, um, they had been planning to close. It just coincided with that. Okay. Well, that's, that's yeah. good. I'm glad it wasn't shut down. So, so they had closed and it just so happened. Everything was just shutting down at that time. I did manage to like kind of work out on my own. And now that things are back open and unfortunately the gym in town has closed, I'm kind of in this like gymnastics desert because the closest gym to, to one side is, you know, a 40 minute drive, the closest gym to the other side is maybe an hour away. It's not real practical (laughs) for someone with, you know, three kids with their activities and things that they need to do as well. And also, um, I guess the, the closest gym does not offer adult gymnastics. And it's a little too far for me to consider getting back into coaching at this point. But on the, the lucky side is that a cheer gym in town has purchased some of the equipment at the gym from the gym where I used to work and they've opened up a small cheer gym. And so I've been going there since uh, things kind of reopened around here, they were able to open up. And so I've been going over there. It's a little limited um, as far as gymnastics equipment, but it's like a brand new, beautiful spring floor. They've got a tumble track, um, a couple of beams. And so, um, so that's been really great. They allow me to just come in. I pay by the hour to work out and I might uh, get back into coaching at some point. One of the coaches from my previous gym went over there and is starting up a gymnastics program so that at least we have something in town right now. It's, it's very small for like the younger, like beginning level kids. But, um, but I have hope that, that gymnastics program will really take off and and we'll be able to, at least for the kids here in town, have something, you know, have gymnastics in this area again, because there's really a need for it being where we are. When you're going in there, you said you pay, they let you pay by the hour to work out. 
you're not talking about the adult tumbling class that they have, right? Right. And they do, they started offering an adult tumbling class, although they are, you know, you can drop in and I believe pay by the hour. Um, but because I was a coach, the owner has allowed me to get on as like a coach and even teach private lessons if I want. So he's giving me like his private lesson rate. Like if you were to coach private lessons, um, you know, you would pay the gym for, you know, your time spent coaching that private lesson. Um, and so I'm not actually coaching any private lessons yet. And maybe I'll do that in the future. (laughs) Um, like I was before, but right now I'm kind of enjoying like having a little time off in the afternoons. (laughs) Whereas before when I was coaching, you know, you're there at the gym till seven, seven 30 at night. So that, that can be tricky when you've got kids coming home in the afternoon and at any rate. So with that little setup that I've got, that's been a great chance. And I did want to say, I've told a lot of people through the little, the Facebook group for the adult gymnastics. A lot of people are like, how am I supposed to find a gym that that offers adult programs. And uh, so I'd say ask a cheer gym. Um, if you haven't thought of that, it might not offer the full gymnastics experience, but they might be open to adults. Um, and you'll at least get a spring floor and probably a tumble track. out of it. I think that's such a great suggestion. And it's one that I never thought of because yeah, cheer gyms are and tumbling, especially when you consider how big that is in high school, those aren't going yeah. anywhere. Yeah. And I think maybe, I mean, I'm just speculating here, but I think cheer gyms might make it through the, uh, the COVID crisis a little better because they're less expensive to run. Um, they don't have all the expensive equipment and you can have like a smaller place. So they might kind of weather that storm a little easier than some of these big gyms. So it's an option it's out there (laughs) and I might have the opportunity. There's a gym, uh, about an hour away that does do an adult class. And so maybe one day I'll, I'll try to make it over there (laughs) just to have access to a little bit more gymnastics equipment. I'd like to be able to do that. Yeah. I think that's great how you've, you've been able to make it work with your CrossFit to get your, a lot of your training and conditioning in, and then finding a local cheer gym and also coaching. I think, (laughs) I mean, I've considered it going into coaching only to get access to a gym. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, I think becoming a coach also makes you a better gymnast. So there are all these. Absolutely. Benefits. Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, when I first started back as an adult, it really was just more about like, oh, I'd like some gym access. But once I started doing it, I remembered what I really enjoyed about coaching. And I'm a far better coach than a was you know, years ago, there's a lot more resources too. I really enjoy like the coaching Facebook groups. I've learned a whole lot from a lot of these people that are like, you know, just experts in technique. It's so interesting to see. And I enjoy like giving feedback too. people will like post a video of like, my kid can't get her kip. What's she doing wrong? Um, so I like responding to those and like trying to help and see like, how can we help this girl get a kip? And I think you know, it just made the coaching more enjoyable and the gymnastics too. It just, it feeds off each other. So I love being able to, to demonstrate for the kids. You know, I don't need to call over a kid and say, Hey, uh, can you do a handstand so I can show these kids what you're supposed to be doing? No, I can do a handstand and I'm going to show you how I want it done. That sure makes coaching a lot easier. You know, I can go and try out the drills before 
I make a kid do it just to make sure like, you know, I have this idea for a drill or I've seen this on the internet. Maybe I better try it before I try to get a kid to do it. Um, and sure enough, I've found what, what works really well and what doesn't work really well. And I do think I, cause I do see like lots of people post ideas for drills and some I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm going to try that myself. And sometimes it really helps me. Uh, <laughs> And then sometimes it helps the kids. And sometimes I think, no, I don't think that's going to work so much, you know? That's so interesting because I can't even remember the last time in all the different training scenarios I tried when a coach was actually the one, maybe a few times, like with my coach, Laura, I'm sure she showed us something because she was so athletic, but I can't remember specifically. But other than her, yeah, I, it's, it's always finding like a really like the tiniest kid from like the next like few levels up and getting right. them to execute it. But even then it's like, you're calling on somebody who's like mastered the skill and it's, it's, it's different when you're just learning it for the first time because gymnastics is so different from soccer. You can't make corrections as you're doing it. You're in the air. You're, you're learning how to read body awareness. There's all these other elements where you have to just really understand it a lot before you even try something. Yeah. And I think, you know, I use the same drills when I was relearning and trying to reteach myself, you know, how to tumble, for instance, um, and I was scared to go backwards. And so what did I do? I put the same setup that I would do for a little kid learning round off back handsprings, you know, I put the big resi mat up there, do some round off punch to flat backs. I must've done so many of those just trying to get the confidence to go backwards, <laughs> you know, or going over the octagon and, and stuff like that. I can use those same drills myself and I know, you know, which ones I like better and what kind of works and, and just what doesn't. Like I know a lot of people, for instance, love handstand snap downs. And I like, they put that in there as like a round off drill. I'm like, if you can't do a round off, a handstand snap down is really hard. So if I'm getting a little kid who, you know, I'm trying to teach her a round off and round offs are the hardest skill to teach, to do like a good round off. It's the hardest thing because little kids, you know, think that a round off is just like a cartwheel where you smash your feet together and drop down to the floor. And it's not, it's a flight skill and you're trying to build speed and fly through the air. So a lot of people recommend like, oh, do some handstand snap downs. So they learn how to snap their chest up. But if you're a little kid who can't even do a round off yet, it's really hard to do a good handstand up on a block, maintain a good shape and then snap down. I've never seen it work really well. And when you see kids, you know, oh, here's a video series of great drills. The kids that are doing good <laughs> handstand snap downs are the ones that have already mastered the round offs and the back hands rings all that, or their, their upper levels. So, yeah. you know, and because you, and it's so funny. I never, I never, honestly, I never knew that was a drill for that. I thought, um, I know, I know I've had coaches have me do that drill before. I can't remember what it was for, but I have a pretty good round off and my handstand snap downs are still right. terrible. <laughs> right. That's like a hard skill in itself. And so, <laughs> Yeah. You know, but and I kind of figure that out, you know, and it's just little things like that. And I'm able to take those and, and see what works. The other thing, too, is I've been in a coached position. So like when I go to CrossFit, it's it's sort of a coached situation. Somebody is telling me what to do. They're watching my technique. 
They're, um, you know, telling me what I'm doing wrong. The technique thing, mainly with like weightlifting and stuff. I'm not really good at weightlifting, but I try, (laughs) but weightlifting is like, um, it's also kind of appeals to gymnasts, I think, because there's such a technique to master. And I think that concept really speaks to gymnasts. But, you know, when I go in there, I think of, okay, my coach has to motivate me. So whatever she's telling me or he's telling me, I've got to, you know, get motivated by that. And I've got to learn from it. And so being in that position, I know that, you know, an adult would never go to another adult, like scream at them or telling them how bad they are or telling them, you know, oh, keep doing this. This is so terrible. You need to just sit here and do this for an hour. And that's what coaches in gymnastics do sometimes, you know, they think that the, that screaming or that yelling or demeaning or something like that is going to get a positive result from a kid. But like, I mean, imagine like, <laughs> like just hanging out on the treadmill in the planet fitness and somebody walking by just like screaming that you suck. I mean, that's not going to work. So why do you think it's going to work on a kid? So you have to, you know, and I think if, a lot of these coaches would put themselves into a position of being coached, then maybe they'd remember what it's like and think, you know, this is the yelling and the screaming and the name calling. And, and I was lucky never to have that, but I've seen coaches do it. If they would just remember what it's like to be coached. And if you would just kind of, I know it's trickier with kids because you have to have a little bit of discipline and kids act up or kids lie and because kids are kids But in some ways, they're not that different from adults. You can still motivate them positively and you can still tell them, hey, you're doing a great job because, you know, as an adult, that's what my CrossFit coach is going to tell me. Like, come on, you can do it. You know, you've got this. And she's not going to tell me, you know, wow, that was bad. Don't ever come back, (laughs) you know, because that's that's never going to work for an adult. That's not going to help me get a skill. That's not going to help me improve. It's got to be a positive environment and it's got to be just logical. Sometimes things just don't work. And sometimes you need a lot of time to master a certain thing. Yeah. I think that's such a great point that doing gymnastics as an adult gives adults just a new person. If they are, if they did it as kids, it gives them a new perspective on learning things. And I think that's, probably why I hear so many adult gymnasts who say they, and you mentioned with Chelsea Memo, they're getting skills that they never had before, or they're, they're learning skills better than they ever did when they were young and had all the supposed advantages of fast recovery time or. Right. And now I feel, you know, I have the advantage in that, you know, I understand technique a lot better. I can listen to my body and that like, oh, if my ankles hurt, well, I'm going to stop doing things that stress my ankles today. Kids don't always have that option. They'll just, you know, because the coach is going to say, oh, well, your ankles are probably fine. Come on, keep going. One of the big myths of the tiny little kid gymnast is, you know, that you have to be tiny, of course. And, and there's a lot of talk about why that's wrong. But another one that I haven't seen people talk about as much is there's a lazy coaching. One reason that little tiny kids got so good is because they're easier to toss around and they're easier to lift and they're easier to spot. And so when 
some of these coaches, you know, in the seventies and eighties realized that the tinier kids were easier to spot, you know, that's less work for them. Now we have more training aids, you know, we've got tumble tracks, we've got drills, we've got biomechanics research that tells us the right drills to do and when, and you know, the, the proper technique. And when it was just this crazy scene in the seventies, they were just throw and go toss this kid around twice and make them land on their feet. And uh, because you can, because little kids, you can do that. If you're a great big dude that weighs 200 pounds, you can take a, a 40 pound kid and pretty much just toss them about. But they're, like I said, there weren't as good research. There wasn't as good of training aids. And now that we have more pits and more resi mats and, you know, things like that, and just a more of a progression of coaching, that's why partly why we're seeing, you know, bigger girls and adults, you know, doing really well is because you don't have to be spotted and you don't have to be completely put through the motions. And I think that's what a lot was being done in the seventies and eighties. It was just, you know, throw these kids around. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Really great point. And (laughs) it's funny. I do remember (laughs) I read Bella Crowley's bio so many times and I remember, I think he was like a a shot put like athlete. Right. And he did like a semester of gymnastics. So he doesn't really, I mean, I know Marta was a competitive gymnast, but he doesn't really have any knowledge. It just goes back to like, what are you basing all of these insane drills on? Right. Yeah. I mean, I started in the eighties and like I said, my program was really small. There were not a lot of training aids. And so I was the kid, you know, sometimes I was like, Oh, she's tiny. We can throw her in the air. Won't that be fun? <laughs> And so, but that's not the best way to learn. And that's certainly not the only way to learn we know now. But yeah, I remember reading that Bella Caroli book too. I still have it somewhere. <laughs> yeah. You know, but- Although I, I recently discovered that like, I think it was the 30 under 30 podcast, half the stuff that he said about just about like how he came to the US and all the yeah. jobs he did wasn't even true. Like Gaza Pozar said that they stayed in a five-star hotel or something like that. Right. Maybe I need to reread that just to like kind of compare to what we know now. <laughs> yeah. I don't and just know. see kind of how outrageous it was. At the time I was like, oh, this is pretty interesting, you know, because um, he was the big hero. He was, you know, the standard. Well, I, I just had noticed that in a few interviews that he had done way after the book was written, he talked about certain anecdotes in the exact same way. And it just seemed like very canned. I'm like, oh, maybe not. I wonder if that story was even true because it sounds so. Yeah. Wow. I think I I so enjoyed speaking with you, Carrie, because I think a lot of adult gymnasts, whether during the pandemic or otherwise, can learn so much from how you've, you've managed to gain back skills that you had, maintain them. And now, even without, without the advantage of having a coach, you've been able to compete at nationals. So and yeah. I don't, I mean, I think for, especially for adults beginning, I would never recommend you doing that unless right. you yeah, do sports at home and do conditioning. But uh, other than that, I don't think it's right. A, you can't really learn advanced skills. Yeah. I have kind of a unique situation. So, and that I can sort of coach myself, but, but, you know, I tell other people too, like if you can get in a little class, um, and even learn some basics, if you've always wanted to, or if you want to get back into it, all you need are basics and you can participate and you can go to a meet. And the thing that some people don't realize is like when you compete in AIGC, for instance, 
Um, so I competed level seven at their nationals last year, but it's not like JO level seven. You're really not expected to like have a 10 0 start value on everything. Some of the, um, gymnasts in there were just like their college students and they stumbled into a gymnastics club and they did like a cartwheel on floor and the rest was just like a dance routine <laughs> or they just did that. I never knew that uh, yeah. about IGC because I, I didn't make it to level seven and I, yeah. yeah. And so everybody is just there for the fun of it. And that is exactly like the entire purpose of gymnastics is just to go and have fun. And if you don't make you know, every single skill that's required, it's not a big deal. Who cares? You know, you're just there to have a good time. And so I went in and I did not have a 10-0 start value on everything. Um, but I did the best that I could and I tried to fulfill the requirements and I finished really well because, you know, just a clean, simple routine. And, and I was not the only one most of the people there, I think that competed level seven probably did not have all their requirements because they were just having a good time and doing their best. And I think if some of the coaches would bring that philosophy down to, you know, youth gymnastics, then your kids are going to have more fun. Your kids are going to, you know, feel really confident and proud and, this whole thing where sometimes, you know, the coaches will say like, Oh, they've got a mental block this week. You know, she's completely not doing her Randolph Beckham's back tuck on floor. So you have to scratch this meat. I mean, what is the point of that? Just tell them to skip it, you know, let them compete, skip the entire pass because who cares? They want to be in a meet. They want to have fun as long as they understand that you don't meet all your requirements. So your score is going to be a little bit lower. Yeah. But if you want to be a part of this fun team, you want to get dressed up because you feel beautiful and you're a leotard and you just love going to meets and your parents paid for it. Um, <laughs> right. Because as a parent, I'm like, really, you know, I just paid $150 for this meet and you're going to tell my kid she has to scratch because one skill is off this week. Right. You know, that doesn't make a lot of sense. And yeah. what will we do in NAIGC or in AAU? We would just skip it I because- it's for fun when it all comes down. It's just for fun, you know? Yeah. And I hate this thing where we punish kids for having a mental block or doing poorly on one skill. If you're a coach, you need to know the best strategy for competition. And maybe that means skipping a skill. And what if you're only down to a nine, five start value? You know, you can still make a really good score. Mm -hmm. which is what I did on bars. I think my start value was like eight, seven because I had to make a smart decision. I had peeled off on a flyaway like a month before and I wasn't doing them well. And so I knew if I didn't do a flyaway, then, you know, I'm down to a nine, five start value, but I'd rather be safe and I'd rather compete. So I'm not going to skip the whole thing because I don't have the full thing. And that's what we do to our kids. We tell them if, you know, if you have a temporary problem, then we're going to punish you by not letting you be in your meat. And I, I hate that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that's worth re-examining. And I think it's worth looking at some of these philosophical issues that adults look at totally different and bringing them down to the kids. So, and just reminding them that in the end, it's just 
for, for happiness. If it's not going to make you happy, <laughs> then, then something's wrong. You know, we have to, to fix it and make it so that it, it brings you happiness. I could not agree more. And I just want to go back to one little word that you said that I loved. I loved that you called it youth gymnastics because yeah, I can't wait until we can stop calling what we do adult gymnastics. Exactly. Just call it gymnastics. And if we need to distinguish it, the kids are doing their youth gymnastics. And then we can, yeah, we can call it adult gymnastics, but. Sure. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's- and it makes sense because like, you know, I mean, every weekend, if I were a runner, I'd go be in a 5k because there are a dime a dozen every week. Yeah. You don't call yourself an adult runner. <laughs> right. So yeah, there's not that expectation that we have to divide ourselves. And so I hate running. I just want to do gymnastics. Yeah. I think somebody else said this recently. I don't remember who, but like most gymnasts hate running. I hate running so much. I never be a runner. <laughs> I wish I loved it. I wish, you know, cause it seems like so many people just love it and they're having a great old time and, you know, oh, sign up for this marathon and wear a tutu and it's going to be great. And then I like try to run and I get like a quarter mile into it. And then I just, just cry. (laughs) I trained and did a marathon in in, seven years ago and I didn't have enough time to train and um, something about my hips were were off that day. Just like, I would, I don't know what it was. Um, it took me eight hours to finish and I was holding my hips together the last maybe six, seven miles could barely walk. I threw out my shoes the next day because I was, (laughs) I don't even want to put these shoes anymore, but yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I've tried to make myself enjoy running. Now I like a sprint and, and that's the nice thing about CrossFit is we often do like a 200 meter sprint and I'm like, wee, I can do that. But man, as soon as it like goes any farther than 200 meters, I'm just, dead in the water. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Carrie, I so enjoyed talking to you today. Where can people find you if they want to follow you on social media? So let's see, I'm on Instagram. I'm Miss a Flippy. So it's like Mississippi, but with a flip. (laughs) (laughs) M-I-S-S-I-F-L-I-P-P-I. Love it. Yeah. So sometimes I, I post my little gymnastics tips and things or show my progress on something. And I like to do little, little coaching videos sometimes just to stay in the game. Check out the show notes for how you can follow Carrie. Thanks for listening to this episode of Better Late. If you like this episode, please subscribe and leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It really does help. If you have guest or episode suggestions, send an email to betterlatepod, that's B-E-T-T-E-R-L-A-T-E-P-O-D at gmail.com.